Once again, we are back with yet another commission podcast. So many, so many of these. We're, they're, they're, they're I stacks love it. on stacks. Uh, and this one was uh, commissioned by Nick Knoll. He is an OG Bald Move fan back in yeah. the, the days of Breaking Bad, or Breaking Good, rather. I'm such a non-fan, I can't think of our show names. <laughs> uh, and he wanted to us to review The Way of the Gun, a great movie I th- that he says would appeal to our sensibilities. Uh, he also recommends a director commentary because it's also excellent because it was by the writer and director, one Christopher McQuarrie, who has written a lot of things mm-hmm. that I have liked and a lot of things that I have not and directed same. He, yeah, so I think he's only directed like three things in his career. He directed yep. this, he directed Jack Reacher. Which I enjoyed. And The Latest Mission Impossible. Which I anticipate enjoying. <laughs> yeah, whenever I see it. Uh, but he's written a lot of stuff. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Awesome movie. Love Great it. movie. Uh, the Usual Suspects, one of my personal pet peeves when it comes to films. I know it's very well made and highly regarded and mm-hmm. Brian Singer joint and all that. I have no use for that movie. I was enraged <laughs> when I watched that movie. Um, I have this movie on DVD, so I've listened to the commentary. Unfortunately, it is in a storage. I I didn't take any of my DVDs. I I just kept all my Blu-rays out. I, all of those are still in storage, and I was not about to go finding which box it was in. So I have to kind of go with my fuzzy memories because I do have some anecdotes that I do remember him telling. Hopefully, they're all right. But I agree, and th- that's one of the 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 better commenta- commentaries for film. Hmm. Uh, this movie stars Ryan Philippe. Is it Felipe? Felipe? How, however you say it, yeah, you know him. Benicio from Cruel del Toro, also from Cruel Intentions. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's got uh, James Caan. It does. It's got Scott Star Power, Scott Wilson, uh, Herschel from The Herschel, Walking Dead, Herschel Walker. Yep. It's got Sarah Silverman <laughs> credited as a raving bitch. And uh, that is, yeah, that's a little weird. It sounds like a slur, but when you see her part in a movie, it's like, yeah, it's about right. Descriptive. Uh, Juliette Lewis. Yeah. Uh, playing another weird kind of girl stuck in a weird type of situation. Oh, yeah. That she kind of excels at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I haven't seen this movie in eight years, maybe mm-hmm. 10. And I remember really, really liking it. And on this time through, I remember all the reasons I liked it, but there's a lot of things that really bothered me. Yeah. Most of the things that bothered me was this plot, like the usual suspects before it, is needlessly complicated and oh my God. jerking you around. Like it, it gets in the way of the rest of the movie. But there are moments that are so profound and insightful and real. It, you know, it, it's kind of like one of those David O movies. Um, I think it's David O, the guy that did the I Heart Huckle- Huckleby's. Uh-huh. Um, love that movie. Absolutely love the Huckleby's. Yeah, sure. love the no. I mean, I heart Huckabees. I love that movie. Yeah, they, it, so so he directed that, and um, but in and and I think that's a great film. Yeah, and then he's made some like Silver Lining Playbooks uh, that you know he, mm. he got some Oscar stuff for, and uh, American Hustle, and other things that have really good individual scenes in it. But there's not much film to kind of connect everything together. Not everything necessarily logically follows. And I feel like that is very much the way of the gun. There are a couple very perfect scenes yeah, that are from a much better film. But you get pulled out of those constantly because he is just layering this preposterous plot on top of preposterous plot. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And then, and then the violence. I, I mean, 
we were talking about this. We were reading reviews, and they were talking about how ultraviolet it is, and we didn't really think so. Yeah, um, it was kind of like, like so they said uh, they had to edit it to get it down to NC seventeen. Like, but those scenes kind of also get in the way. You of, think so? There are too many of them. I think hmm. um, some of them are fun and funny. Like, I love the car chase scene that they do, kind of near the beginning when they first uh, try to take Juliet Lewis hostage. Yeah, they do. It's like a weird, it's really on, funny uh, on foot. Like uh-huh. a car chase that 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 pauses to go on like foot they for ghost a while. ride for a little bit yeah. and then get back in and then ghost a, ride the whip a fake ghost ride and it's uh-huh. it's really comical and good and I like that stuff um but I, I just felt like a little bit of it it got gratuitous after a while what like does a that even mean top. like what is that especially coming from you what does a gratuitous gun battle look like to you uh like why why is this gun battle happening I guess is yep. I I get. Are you talking like about the, the the one at the end where it's the grandpa brigade? Yeah, yeah. The last ride. The grandpa of the, brigade rolls in, and the now you got home. three different factions yeah. working on this job here, and it gets a little right. a little over the top. But they heard that the it's still the, a cool scene. They they heard the Ponderosa is not giving senior citizen discounts to anyone <laughs> under the age of seventy five now, and they're like, uh, what? And they're all seventy two, so they're like, God that's, damn it, yeah. I'm not going to live that long. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that that's how James Conn recruited it. They just went in. Ponderosa's taking your buffet <laughs> privileges away. <laughs> Got to do something about it. Uh, I, yeah, so that's that's a big problem I have because here's and and, uh, and I'm going to say all this stuff up front so I can get to the good stuff. But in this movie, you have a rich but nebulously bad guy who does some kind of shady, maybe mob real estate something. His his money's dirty somehow. In, in some capacity to, to and and you've got this guy and you got his enforcer the bagman that they refer to as a bagman which bothered yeah. me cuz that's not what a bagman is but but he's referred to as the bagman and he is uh-huh. like their his this guy's fixer I, cleaner I think you enforcer should, I think you should call Benicio the Toro bagman cuz the bags under his, his eyes, eyes. <laughs> but that's just me Benicio bag toro <laughs> uh yeah it, and and you got these two guys mm-hmm. They have children. The The enforcer has a daughter and the dirty mogul has a son who is a doctor and an obstetrician. Mm-hmm. And that's a secret. You don't know either of those things. One is not even actually, I think, spoken aloud. It's something that one character kind of like you kind of put it together and then it's kind of confirmed by performances at the end mm-hmm. and some, but it, you know, it's not directly confirmed in the dialogue. I don't think. Yeah. Spoilers. We're going to, we're going to talk all, all about spoilers. Yeah. Um, so they're secret kids. Mm-hmm. Somehow the enforcer put forth his daughter to be a surrogate for this, you know, shady real estate guy and his trophy wife, because she can't be bothered to ruin her body <laughs> to have a baby. Sure. Um, which fine, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm not if you, going if you to got the money and you don't want to have a, a baby naturally, go for it. Sure, who cares? And, and I mean, adoption might be easier, but whatever. <laughs> but that's when you find that out. It's like, no, wait a minute. Why the hell would you volunteer your daughter for this? Or did he not know that this was this behind his back? So complicating this is the fact that uh, <laughs> the implant procedure didn't take. Yeah. So the son of the mogul said, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm your your." Uh, your baby doctor, I will just put a baby inside you with my penis. Yeah, that's what baby doctors do. Yeah, sure. If it goes wrong, they're they're there. They're always there to take one for the team. (laughs) And he impregnates her. But to complicate that situation, 
the business mogul dirty guy's bodyguard is also stuffing his wife. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and Scott Wilson has no idea that any of this is going on. I think so. And then to complicate that further, the last line of the film is a flash to this woman walking in front of her business mogul husband and saying she's pregnant. Probably Which, with... oh my God. Because the other thing is his bodyguard is black. Uh-huh. So there's no way she's going to be able to pass this off as yours. No, of course not. Uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't like a, uh, what, what do you call that? Naked gun situation. Uh, th- that's just not going <laughs> to happen. Where every character is as stupid as possible. Yeah, yeah. Or, or a, um, me, myself and Irene situation. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think he's going to have a psychic break no. and just roll with that. I, so everything else about the film is really good, but the basic so. process, and I don't know why do you think my theory is that Christopher McQuarrie wrote this film blazed out of his skull and all these things is like whoa what if the two best friends had kids yeah and they had kids and they were supposed to have <laughs> his kid and it sets it's supposed to set up this moral complexity at the end where yeah the enforcer is 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 supposed and and scott wilson the business magnate is is actually says this like look I know this is your daughter which so I guess he does know about this you're going to have to choose to save my child over your child if the two are in balance yeah which is extra fucked up because that's his grandchild kind but, also but he doesn't his, but he doesn't know but he thinks it's his child it's going to be really his, weird so, if that so goes so do you think off. he would consider it his grandfather just be, if it's none of his genetic material None of his blood. It's just someone else's. If he uh, knew that, yeah, I think so. Fetus in, you know, so she's literally like an incubator. Yeah. The other thing, like, that didn't track for me is before you find out all of this, is Juliet Lewis has been paid a million dollars to take 10 months out of her life to incubate this child, and they've controlled every aspect of her life, but she's not been yeah. mistreated. I thought that we were going to find out that she was going to be murdered or something. Yeah. The, the, the whole problem is that, uh, she fucked the guy's son and now she's got this illegitimate baby and she doesn't want to give it up because it's her baby now. I, yeah. And there's also another wrinkle where that million dollars, I think belong, doesn't belong to Scott Wilson. It belongs to like the people that he works for. Well, see, there's the other thing where James Conn is telling him like, he's like, well, they want $12 million. And he's like, well, why don't you just pay it? And or I'm yeah. just going to pay it. And he's like, well, you can't because your money's dirty and people start asking questions. And like, I'm like, I, I don't know. Isn't there a way to get like if they get pulled over with the 12 million, that's what he's worried about. 15 million. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, this businessman gave me this money to ransom. I, I don't know. I guess he could just deny it. But it made me think that like the um, it made me think that the James Conn character, who is maybe one of the best characters in the film. Yeah, I think so. And it's a super interesting performance because he plays it as this creaky old man. Mm-hmm. But he, he he's somewhere between like official bodyguard enforcement, like Secret Service type and gangster thug. Well, he's like, like they have this discussion about those types of people. Well, it's kind of like the Winston or the Mr. Wolf from Pulp yes. Fiction, too, where it's so, like he's super respected and good, but you don't know how much of that is based on fear, respect, or the fact that like, yeah. I can legitimately get you out of the jam or I can let you get arrested by the cops. It's you know, But this guy seems more like he's a badass. And he said, you know, the only thing you can assume about a broken down old man is that he's a survivor. Which, Love the line. 
Love it. That's a great line. There's a lot yeah. of I, I want to go through like talk about some of the great lines in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this kind of like that's how I felt in three or four different points in the movie. Like I don't know where you're going with this. Oh yeah. The fact that the million dollar that it for the longest time you're just trying to figure out like what her problem is. Like why is she trying to get away? Why is she trying to get out of this? What's the bizarre relationship yeah. between you know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't track about that. Like we are privy to a lot of alone time between her and the doctor, who's the father of her child and I guess her lover. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't act like that at all, even though they're completely one-on-one. And the only way, the only reason you, when you rewatch this movie, it bugs you because the only reason that is, is because Christopher McQuarrie is not ready for you to know or even have a yeah. hint. And this is also the, my, requires the same fucking problem I have with uh, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole bunch of bullshit that they just pull over your eyes. It doesn't track well on multiple viewings because they're not ready for you to discover their secret yet. Yeah. And that's a little lazy to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and there's also this videotape that's introduced, which you find out over the course oh. of the movie has an ultrasound on it. They make it out to be this big thing. And, like and it I get, changes people's lives. Yeah. People see it and they're, they're spellbound. They, like, they, like the arch ice queen who doesn't want a child inside her. Yeah. Sees it and touches it. And it's like, you and Benicio know, del Toro sees it. He covers one eye. He looks sideways. Like, yeah. And, and he, what am I seeing here? This is amazing. Like, like plus like those guys kind of went onto a trajectory of being heroes from that point in the movie. Yeah. And so, and so you're seeing it and you're wondering what is on this tape? What could possibly be? And I felt like the reveal was less than spectacular. Yeah. And I didn't buy the, um, I didn't buy the performance of the Ivana Trump character or whatever, you know, the ice queen. Like she was supposed eh, to be. I didn't be... think it was terrible. I, I, they feel, so they set it up at the beginning of the movie, you know, at, to where you should be expecting this turn of events here. Like you should be expecting that Juliette Lewis is going to succumb to her motherly instincts and not be willing to give up this baby. Um, you should expect that the Ivana Trump character is not going to just be able to be this detached the whole time. And then her motherly instincts would kick in because they they talk about that at the beginning of the movie. They they say something about nature and yeah. I don't know that 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 all I kind of got lost by the end of it for me because of the very convoluted plot, just kind of getting in the way of every of the message that it was trying to convey. Yeah, I just like again, I I felt like the movie spent a lot of time trying to convince me early goings that this woman was kind of like didn't have any kind of natural feelings. And she's the well, type of. I think that was the point. She's right? the type of person to be the same age as the son of the character and intentionally mm-hmm. antagonize him on things. But, but I mean, that's that's the point. Life will find a way. Not to uh, not to throw like weird quotes in here. So but this is, this is two girl. This is two girl raptors getting down on each other and producing a clutch of eggs. No, this, this is what this no, movie is. No, nothing like that. Okay, Malcolm, tell me. But but I mean, put a drop of water on my hand. Nature, and explain it to me. nature will change your opinion. Like she, she thinks, oh well, I'm this ice queen. I don't care about this stuff. And then she sees it, and she's suddenly changed by it. And I think that's what the beginning of the movie sets up. So if you don't see that coming, I don't know why you didn't see it coming. Yeah. Though, so there's <laughs> there's a lot. The other thing about this is like seeing this as a much younger man. That this film has kind of. Um, I don't know, like an Atlas Shrugged libertarian sensibility to it, almost. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like hmm. rugged individuality and going your own way, and uh, yeah, it that's the way a of lot the gun. Of, I mean, that's it espouses a lot of ideals that, as a 39 year old man, I'm not sure I agree with anymore. Okay, but I still 
like I, I was kind of chiding the 25 year old inside of me like yeah you used to believe that <laughs> shit didn't you didn't you motherfucker uh i don't want to go into it because i don't want to get into big political things but but i would like to talk about the philosophy of the way of the gun um and how it relates you know to westerns which we, we i was just about covered. to say that I, um, one of my questions in my notes is do you do we count this as a modern western i feel like in spirit yeah yeah definitely well like i mean these two guys are outlaws i'm not talking like there's modern western in the sense that you're trying to make a film set in 1880 in the year you know 1998 sure. there's also like no country for old men yeah you gotta say that's a modern western right even though it takes place in modern times I think so. This has the sensibility. Like if we – especially with the moral kind of gray morass and like that these characters finding something noble about uh, – and, you know, goes back to even – we talked about the, the parent situation, that that's the whole thing between Ben and Dan in 310 to Yuma, that this is Ryan Philippe realizing that, you know, I had a fucked up childhood and my parents weren't there or whatever. And you've got to have this bond or things go bad. So I've got to protect this innocent thing. Yeah. Even though I'm kind of, I've been a son of a bitch, like our proper son of a bitch throughout the whole film. Like these sure. guys are as anti heroes you will find in any film. They torture dudes. And they established that in the first scene. Boom. Yeah. Let's talk right about up front. That. You know who these people are. This, this is kind of, and I remember on, this is one of the things that sticks out in my mind in the director's commentary that this was like, uh, when the director and writer was out drinking with his buddies, I think they got into heckling somebody and there was a situation where like, well, mate, what if these guys come at us crazy? Mm -hmm. And they were talking about like what they would do. And it's like, well, you know, if like the whole, everybody came over to beat us up, it's like, you would just grab their girlfriends and try to get a good lick in thinking that like, yes, you're going to beat our ass, but your girlfriends are going to be bitching at you for getting into this fight. For the rest of your life or for as long as you're with them. So it's like it's a yeah. scorched earth kind of moral victory. Mm -hmm. And it certainly plays out <laughs> funny. And Sarah Silverman goes as far as she possibly can uh -huh. to quote unquote deserve yes. the punch in the face. Yeah. But it's still with my sen sensibilities, it's 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 still a funny scene, but yeah. it's more uncomfortable. It It is shocking. Um, it is not often that you see a woman punched in the face in film. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and bloodied. And like, I mean, she comes away from that probably disfigured. <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah. Her nose is never going to look good. Again. Yeah. Uh, but I have a hard time saying she didn't deserve it. Frankly, mm. she pushed this guy into a fight that he clearly didn't want to get into. Uh, and and granted, yes, it's on him to be a bigger man and say, look, I don't want to fight. There's, mm. there's no reason to do this. Sure. Uh, he, so he, he succumbed to that. He gave into that pressure. But mm. She was clearly antagonizing this situation. Yeah, I know. I'm just like... Although Felipe and Del Toro also were. I mean, they're sitting on the guy's car. They could have just gotten Big off Big fuck car. you. Yeah, I mean... Right. So everybody kind of deserved what they got there. It's kind of an odd way to start this film about... Because the other thing that's, that's interesting about this film is that it alternatively plays these guys as kind of hapless bums mm -hmm. and bumbling idiots and like really skilled assassins. Like I feel like there's some, there is some kind of military background in their background. Uh, and it makes sense because I, I, I read some trivia and I guess Christopher's brother is a military, like maybe even a seal or a Delta force guy. Huh. Okay. And he did the, uh, all of the choreography in this movie and nice. was like their weapons, 
what do you call that? Like the expert, expert. or the advisor? Consultant. Consultant. Sure. There you go. And that's why, like, I thought the gun realism in this film is really, really awesome. Except for this one point in the movie where I'm like, what the fuck? These guys have been blasting these guns. It, it was jarring because I expect that in, like, a commando. But this film had been kind of right on with, like, the gunplay. And then just... And then I read in like a trivia section that that the the director made that as a deliberate point. Like we are going to make sure that for these makes and models of guns, all the ammo is conserved properly and you reload it properly. But this one point as an homage to like gun violence, we're just going to have them go blaze up for dozens and dozens of rounds without stopping or reloading. Okay, so like, okay, but that's an odd choice to make to go hyper realistic except for one particular scene. Like what's. What are you playing at, Christopher McQuarrie? Well, there are there are a lot of uh, nods to other films in here. Yeah, right? I mean, you can't help but think of Tarantino, given when this was made, and sure. given how you know you have a philosophizing bad guy, yeah, um, which Everyone Tarantino loves, yeah, yeah. loves to do. Uh, Tons and, of monologues for everybody. Everyone gets a fucking monologue. Yeah, Everyone they, gets a monologue in this movie, do. even the dumb blonde wife. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it, I don't know. I mean, Peck and Paul, I haven't seen a whole bunch of his stuff, but, you know, that's in there, too. Uh, there, there's a lot of homages here. Yeah. So. For, it's like um, Butch Cassie's Sundance Kid. Yeah, yeah. This hotel is the same one that is featured in that movie. Oh, and I didn't even know that. the characters' names, mm-hmm. uh, which I can't remember at this point. Uh, Parker and Longbaugh. Longbow. 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 Are like the real-life name of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. So there's quite a bit of... Um, you know, there's quite a bit of homage to that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would call it. I'd easily call it a modern western. I would too. Uh, and just the sensibility of it. I mean, the the philosophy of the way of the gun seems to be very western to me. If you're coming at it from like the outlaw perspective, sure. Um, you know, I, I there's a monologue at the very beginning, which is a narration, a voiceover that I really like from Felipe. Uh, He's talking about how, you know, it was a life they their choice, their options had narrowed down to the point where it was a life of minimum wage or leaving the path. And they chose to leave the path mm-hmm. uh, and make their own way. And I think that's probably uh, part of what appeals to you as a 25 year old watching this is that idea sure. of making your own path, reaching, going for the glory, that kind of thing. Whereas a 38, 39 year old, you're probably like that can lead to to bad places you know yeah like there's there's this um i just got i i watched the pilot for mr robot recently and there's this really cool monologue that um christian slater has about his father where he says um you know my old man is a petty criminal and he said that you know there's always there's always people getting paid more than their jobs there's always get people getting taken Mm-hmm. And the way he saw it is that as long as he got away, whatever he stole, he was worth that amount okay. because that was like this. Is, he's got like the kind of big being a criminal is the only fair pay, pay scale because the second you get greedy and you pull off a job that you're not good <laughs> enough to do, you get caught and yeah. it's all over. I'm like that kind of like bandit uh, ethos does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There's That's, something appealing, especially to younger it's people. It's like, yeah, I could go off and be a mercenary or, yeah. you know, I could start, like, I, I feel like everyone has a fantasy of starting some kind of life of crime, don't they? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it might be as simple as having a grow, a grow closet or, sure, you know, the, or, or, but everyone's got I mean, a little it, bit of piratical gleam in their eye, don't they? Yeah. 
And it feels like easy money sometimes, you know? Like, sure. if I were to go rob a bank, I could walk into that bank with a gun and take all their money. And That'd you're in full Walter White. It's like, no one would get hurt, and I would never yeah, get caught. Yeah, yeah. You fantasize talking... about this perfect scenario that will never happen. And you're you ripping off multi-million dollar companies and sure. multinational companies. And who's really even the victim when you're talking about that? Yeah, no, I yeah, think, I think everybody it. has thought about those things. Right now, as a guy with he's had mortgages and 401ks, exactly. I'm like, son, has a kid and has, yeah. those things would have real ass consequences in your <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad indeed, idea. indeed. But and, and most of us determine that before we ever do anything like that, right? Sure, sure. Bad idea. Yeah. But there's a lot of like throwaway lines that and I guess this, you got the same thing in like Godfather, uh, where like uh man, what is Scott Wilson's line to uh Juliet Lewis? A woman needs security the way a man needs approval. I'm like, hmm. oh that line's so gross. It's a little stereotypical. It's it's, yeah. it, it's 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 as hateful towards men as it is to women. Sure. Um, and yeah, there's there's maybe a kernel of truth for some men and some women, but like mm-hmm. to have that come out of like you know espoused as wisdom is like Ugh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, that there's I, I was I was going to go through some things I particularly enjoyed. Is there any other like broad and we'll probably trigger other broad thematic discussions? I mean, I can tell you one more thing I thought was a train wreck. What? Ryan Felipe. <laughs> Just his hair? Uh, his hair, his accent, so everything all around. This guy's from Delaware, which okay. I would think would make him qualified to give a decent New England accent. Yeah, you'd think so. But I, I actually, the reason I know he's from Delaware is because I looked it up. I'm like, that. this is a terrible Boston accent that this guy's trying to pull. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a perfect Delaware accent. It might be, because I don't know what that is. Because I could see that being, you know, they've all got their little... You know, like Worcester sounds different from Boston. And sure. They've all got their little picadillos or fine points. But there's no so excuse that, for that hair, right? I mean, at any point in this movie. Okay, so this is why I feel as a like man, it's a 90s movie. As a man movie. losing his hair, I would take that. <laughs> That's you, the thing. You could do ever something since with I, it. Ever since I started losing my hair, like, it's... You know, like Donald Trump is the line. <laughs> that and lower, no, I don't want any part I would of. not put a dead animal on my head. That is the only thing. <laughs> but everything starts looking pretty good. All right. Okay. Like there's this like an older balding That's dude fair. on Narcos. You know, the like the the CIA uh, liaison guy or the military attache. He's like the tall, severe. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got like a crew top, old fashioned comb. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that kind of hair loss because that's actually kind of a cool haircut. <laughs> so I'm a bad guy to judge. But other than okay. his terrible accent or his weird accent, I thought he did really great. And he shows a lot of flash, yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of intensity his- that I think ultimately was wasted because it's not like he was a big movie star. Last thing I saw him was McGruber, which was super funny. Yeah, I but- mean, that's the thing. I've liked him. I've liked him in the stuff I've seen him in. Um, and I like him in this. He's, he delivers a good performance. It's just... You just want to start shit for nothing? That accent and that hair, man. And I feel like this... A, a lot of this movie to me feels like the 90s. Um, like film stock feels yeah. very 90s. Uh, the clothing, the style, the haircuts, everything feels very 90s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's released in 2000, so it is probably made in the 90s. But I I don't know. It felt like it had just a veneer of kind of cheese over the top of it, hmm. which kind of irked me a little bit. Um, and Ryan Felipe just kind of embodies that in this sure. movie for me, his hair. I look at it and go, yep, that's the 90s. Frosted tips. Uh, Justin Timberlake had curly hair back then. That's the Felipe. Yeah, look. that's the thing. Is like I was, I was also scoring it on a you know a 90s curve, and that like that's yeah. 
Yeah, he 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 did have Justin Timberlake hair. Totally. Yeah. A little bit. Like if you mix that and with maybe a 98 degrees. I don't know. I don't know my boy bands. Yeah, why not? Why not? But there's also it's something... It's an amalgamation of everyone in NSYNC. It was weird because it's like every other hair... One hair was straight and every other hair was curly. Yeah. Would you think would give him like a hairstyle like Dagwood out of the comics? But again, I'd take it. I'd take it right. I'd trade you All straight right. up, Felipe. Because there's things... Yeah, there's stuff you can do with it. Sure. <laughs> like shave it off. <laughs> if you want to, And then certainly. you don't have a bald spot. You don't, you're not rocking that. But uh, yeah. no, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought the the performances all around were pretty good. You also were talking. Um, there were like, some really good ones at some at some point. You were talking a lot of shit about Benicio del Toro too. God, this movie I mean, too. he just looks like I, when he's sixty, he's gonna look like he's one hundred and forty. You know what? Though I mean, he's, he's his the bags under his eyes. His he's gonna fall apart. Man. He's considered extremely attractive. How? And How sexy. he's got a weird looking face. Uh, you know, every once in a while you get like a Jeff Goldblum that like they're, I guess, so. and a Henry Kissinger, like their success with women is so far from being predicted from just like you look at the guy and like, yo, that's yeah. a guy that rolls deep in the trim and like, no, they're actually. I mean, you mentioned Mr. Robot. I would say the same about that guy. That guy's got a weird that, fish, but that fish guy's face. not a sex symbol, is he? Like, I think uh, he's weird. No. He's like weird in a weird kind of way. People would like, yeah, that guy's weird. Not yet, but he's becoming like a bigger and bigger star. Like. I've seen him in video games now. What's the difference between in... like what's like that J guy that runs around with a uh, oh god I can't remember any of them, uh, but he was in he's the voice for How to Train a Dragon. He was also in End of the World and and Tropic Thunder. Uh, Jay Moore is it? Um, but, so that's a guy. Maybe. That's that's a guy who has been in. I'll find his name out here in a minute. That's a guy okay. who's been in more and more things, right? Um, uh-huh. Jay Baruchel. Baruchel, Baruchel, okay. JB, I'll call him. Um, yeah, I got a picture of his face. Okay, yeah, he's a he's a guy who's in, a, weird in more guy. and more stuff, but he's not a sex symbol. No, there's dudes that can be like you know get more and more famous, but they never become a sex symbol. Like Gary Oldman's been in tons of shit. Yeah, but you're telling me Benicio del Toro is. So I, I don't heard from know women what to make they, of they that. find him sexy. I've no I'm, maybe it's the Latin. It's thing. mannerisms, probably. Well, yeah, that too. I think he's conventionally good looking. I honestly don't see what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Yes, he does have baggy eyes, <laughs> and those are only going to get baggier as he gets older, man. Yeah, well, they're gonna woof, woof. He's gonna be Tommy Lee Jones in forty years. <sighs> Tommy, there, there's a guy who looks like he got. What did Putin poison that one dude with? Like <laughs> ricin, pl- no. like plutonium no, no, no. or something? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That guy you see before and after. That's what Tommy Lee Jones looks like. You look at him in like coal miner's daughter, <laughs> and then in a movie he's done in the last two or three years, and it's like, yeah, someone. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is old as fuck, but so no, so someone un- carved his head out of an apple and then left it out on the shelf for a month. That's what <laughs> happened to him. So jack o' lantern got it wrong. <laughs> uh. I don't understand private bodyguards. What about them don't you understand? Well, in this particular movie, during the standoff at the uh, fertility clinic, I guess, they pointed their guns at her womb. Like, the their move is, if you if you try anything, we're going to shoot this woman right in her, in her baby maker. Yeah. Which seemed completely at odds with what they were actually trying to do. And also, just the fact that, like, like I get it if you're a soldier and you're just and you're trying to protect your commanding officer or you're a secret service agent protecting the president. There are there are terms of like loyalty and patriotism yeah, you're and honor bound. You're you, yeah, you've bound. got this this thing. It's like it's not 
there's no dollar figure that your life is worth, but if it protects your country and and therefore the homes that 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 your the loved ones live in and that mm-hmm. you respect, and like sure, I get that. For pay, like I fully expect every time I see a mercenary that as soon as it looks like they're the, the like you know I forget who said it, maybe it was Jorah on Game of Thrones, but you know mercenaries will fight for you, but they're not going to die for you. Mm-hmm. And Juliet Lewis here is like, oh no, these guys will die or or they'll shoot me in the bed. None of that, the way that was staged, it didn't make sense. And also, I just so, don't get the bodyguard ethos of I am a private citizen being paid for by another private citizen to take a bullet for me. Yeah, so I'm with you on that last point. The first point, I think, with with pointing the gun at the baby, the baby's the important thing there, right? They they don't give a fuck about Juliet Lewis. It's it's the baby. So they think they're that those people are after the baby because of you know Scott oh, Wilson bullshit. wanting this baby. So they're going to kill the baby. I mean, yeah, you kill the mother, it probably kills the baby, and that's well, that's no bodyguard. Like you're about to, you know, it's like kill the kidnapping target before they're kidnapped, so they won't officially be kidnapped. Yeah, no, you've done, so, you haven't done your job, dickhead. Which may fed me into yeah, the yeah. belief that like the Ice Queen is actually wanting Julia Lewis, Louise Dreyfus, yeah, that's who's in it. Uh-huh. Uh, Juliet Lewis dead, <laughs> which never <sighs> never comes to fruition. If that's the case, here's the thing: is like I sometimes I wonder like if I'd watch this two more times, if some of this stuff would make more sense. Maybe, but on the other hand, like it could be one of those movies where you watch it two or three more times, you just get more and more pissed. Uh, so I think, yeah, I, I, and maybe we're maybe. Do you think it's an, a deliberate creative choice that he made such a bizarre plot to kind of tell people, hey, you shouldn't actually be watching it for this? Like, like this is don't the, watch it. This for is the, the canvas in which I'm painting this tale of like Western morality and violence. Hmm. But he does the way that's he, a risky move. The way he reveals it, it's I think he's it's supposed each yeah. each individual revelation is supposed to be profound. Yes, but it just gets silly because again, it's like I would love to see how these characters got into the situation that they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, multiple levels of betrayals and secrets in in intimate relationships. I just want to hear the discussion between Scott Wilson and James Caan, where he's like. Look, I need a surrogate for my daughter or my son here. Yeah. Uh, will you please let me use your daughter? <laughs> like, right. I'll give you a million bucks. I'll give her a million bucks. I mean, it feels... I'll give you both a million bucks. Yeah. It's 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 it was really weird. It's really weird. I didn't understand yeah. that whole aiming at the baby thing. Also, there are way cheaper surrogates out there. I don't know why the million dollars was why this particular one was important. Yeah. But you can get a surrogate for, I mean, all of this is just going off what I know from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but 20 grand. Dude. 20 grand. I would carry a child to term for a million dollars. Wow. Okay. So one night with a sheik (laughs) cost how much? 10 million? 10 million. But nine months with a baby would well, cost nine, one. That's just me. This is me sitting around watching television, and playing video games. Is what I do anyway. Well, I mean, all sorts of like, unnatural things would need to be done to you in order to make you capable of carrying a baby. Well, but it's like it all comes out, right? I, I don't know. I has <laughs> you truly don't. That's the funny thing. I I have no idea if they would take the whole that uterus stuff out. just come. It's like it's like a watermelon. The whole apparatus just no ejects. no no no. I'm talking about the operations necessary to both. <laughs> Put that baby in you to carry it to term and then t- turn you back into what you are now? I don't well, know. Well, okay, let me ask you this. Like, I haven't 
Am I going to get a cesarean like Juliet Lewis? Mm-hmm. Like a four-hour-long procedure where this guy's just jacking <laughs> on my abdomen and Price rooting around for for ninety-five percent of the movie? My or am I going to get like a regular, uh, you know, cesarean where the doctor opens you up and like in fifteen seconds it's over and I'm being stitched up? Yeah, I'll do that for a million dollars. This this bizarre. You know, it's almost like uh, some kind of death cult he was participating in. Like, this is some – I expected him to start chanting over some skulls and stones and lowering her into lava at the end. Like (laughs) – and and it's funny is when the dad comes – I think it's the dad when James Conn comes in and sees his daughter for the first time in the movie, I believe. I think In the movie. Uh And, you know, this dude's covered in blood and she's as pale as like Bella from Twilight and he's like – it's all under control. And no, you know, I both spontaneously no. like, no, it's not. No, because I've been like keeping the time. Like this this thing, do you realize that he has been working at this cesarean for like 45 <laughs> minutes of this movie? And every time they cut back, he's grabbing on that wound and just, just jiggling it. And, yeah. Like is he spiral cutting a ham inside of her belly? <laughs> he said he was stuffing a turkey. Yes. I think he's putting more things in there than he's taking out. I thought I saw him take out multiple pieces of grill, and I'm like, those are not like <laughs> spare parts, man. That stuff all has to go back in. Uh-huh. This isn't well, like... you know, you can lose one kidney. You can lose, like, part of your liver. You don't need it all. Yeah, the liver, for sure. You can grow yeah. back. You can lose a whole kidney. Exactly, yeah. Uh, You know, it, it's it's redundant. Get, get rid of yeah. half of the... You gotta make room. But he's in there deep. Back. He might be taking a long. I don't know. Yeah, that that was pretty funny. Um, Ridiculous. Also, uh, why people dropping guns and throwing guns around? Like Juliette Lewis at one point, mm-hmm. she's got a shotgun. She feels like she doesn't need it anymore, although she's woefully mistaken. And she just flings it into the hotel room behind her. And I'm cringing. And like these bodyguards, the cops are pulling up and they're like, uh, okay, well, we're going to have to give ourselves up and resolve this and, and you know, through civil, because we're not really lawbreakers, whatever. And they just drop their guns on the ground. I'm like, why would you do that? I think this is your, you as a gun owner kicking in because I didn't have those reflexes. Like, don't, huh. don't, don't throw your guns on the ground. I, if it was like a laptop and they were just like, oh, we don't need this laptop right now. Throw it on the floor. Well, like, I'd be know, like, yeah, that's fucked up. Like they're, they're fairly rugged pieces of machinery. Yes. Like you could buy a ruggedized laptop, you know, a military sure. spec that could survive like multiple a drops. Book, yeah, like multiple drops it. from 12 foot on the pavement. That doesn't mean like you'd get home, take the laptop every night, take the laptop at arm's length and just drop it to the ground for shits and grins. Probably not. And no. there was like, it's not like guns to their head, drop your weapons now. I get mm-hmm. dropping your weapons. It's like in the next 120 seconds, we're going to have to drop these guns. Put them down on the ground gently, man. Do yeah. You want, do you want to scuff? I mean, do you want to scuff, scratch, damage that thing? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, some of the other stuff that I liked was th- there's some cool cinematography in this. Um, there's a particular shot that I like where the two bodyguards are sitting in Scott Wilson's house and they're talking just at the kitchen counter mm-hmm. at, a, at a table there. You can kind of see their conversation. They're talking about how they're going to steal the money or whatever and take it for themselves. And then you can see uh, the trophy wife walking up the stairs kind of in the the other side of the shot. Yeah. There's like this – it's framed so that you can kind of see through the steps in the staircase. Sure, sure. uh, Which I thought was really cool. There there are a couple of instances like that where they they go all out. I wasn't sure what that meant though Um, because she – he's essentially – I mean I guess – they're at this point in the movie that him and the other bodyguard are trying to somehow scam the yeah, money. I think so. And still save the child. Mm-hmm. 
which is kind of what she told the guy to do minus the scamming. And she's pausing to listen, but nothing ever comes of it. So like, that was a cool shot, but yeah. in you know, in the language of cinema, that is a sentence that ended abruptly and went nowhere. Like you got your subject. Anything to do with her affair with Tay, with Tay Diggs. I'm sure it does. But again, like, yeah, I'm trying to make connections. I don't know. She her told there. him that the only thing that you, we worry about is the child. Mm-hmm. And he was reiterating that with a little bit more to the guy. And, you know, she didn't seem to be particularly disturbed by it. May, I, I don't know. It was an interesting shot that I'm not sure I know what it meant. Yeah, it looked cool, though. And, and that's kind of why I say, like, this is a this is almost a transition from the 90s to the 2000s, because I don't. I didn't, at least I wasn't noticing a lot of that stuff in the 90s. They were doing interesting stuff mm. like that. Oh, I mean, uh, but yeah. this, this also suffers from being severely overscored, in my opinion. Hmm. Like, I noticed that there wasn't a moment went by without some kind of score going on in the background to heighten the drama, um, make, make the scene a little more tense when they're just having a conversation or something. Do you think he was intentionally aping Tarantino? Because it feels like some of these things are uh, intentionally aping Tarantino. I, a lot of reviewers seem to think so. But the, the reviews the I've hand, read say that. Tarantino knows when to kind of like go for side. Like, you know, I think he's gotten really yeah. good in late, later movies of, you know, think about the basement standoff in, uh, in glorious bastards. And, and he that's tends to, dead silent except for the dialogue. And there's long yeah. stretches of silence even in that. So, well, he also tends to like punctuate his stuff with pop culture. Yes. Uh, popular songs. Right. And, yeah. and leave a lot of the rest of it silent. Like if you think about Reservoir Dogs, right. The beginning of that movie, that conversation just happening in the diner is all, there might be some background music from the diner, but it's not there for the purpose of heightening the tension of that scene. I disagree because he does a lot. I think that there's a lot of, like in Pulp Fiction, when Uma Thurman and John Travolta are sitting in the diner, sure. and had that discussion and that like you know Love. flanging bluegrass guitars playing. Like oh, I yeah. feel like that does set the pace of their conversation, and that's back. That was that was yeah. in universe background music. So, but but then it comes to something, right? Like they go out on the dance floor and they do their thing, and you can see this bonding moment. Whereas I feel like just scoring mm. for the sake of score to heighten the tension of a conversation is weird to me. Hmm. Okay, I'd much rather have it be in-universe music uh i can't say enough about james Kahn because even though the character doesn't make a lot of sense and it's like something about this plot i mean this this is like a your stereotypical millionaire um wall street guy plot shoved into like a godfather's type of situation where you need like a luca brazzi type of enforcer and i thought james khan hmm. is incredible of playing a very particular type of gangster in fact the only other person in this genre or working in the same space is like jonathan banks and breaking right bad and better yeah. call saul i'm not about ever like well de niro did some of that stuff i mean he's but he was much younger when he was doing that stuff. Well, I guess oh, yeah, he yeah. still does have that kind of curmudgeon Eh, not so much anymore. <laughs> he's he's more about, he seems to be more about cashing a paycheck and doing some comedy now. But I'm saying that when he has done stuff of late, uh, yeah, you know, even the funny stuff like the, the Ben Stiller crap, he's trading on that, you know, badass curmudgeon. Kind Maybe of like thing. Robert Duvall before he died, he was doing some of this stuff. Yeah, like... He's another. His, sec- his secondhand Lions character is a much more heroic version of the cur- curmudgeonly old sure. hero, but yeah, 
Yeah, I might be off base on that, but I thought. But like, there are very few of them. You're right, and Jonathan Banks is definitely one of them. The way he can play, even though he's like this creaky old man, and he, I think there's like I've seen him in other things, like Elf, where he doesn't move. Like in this movie, he moves like every vertebra in his spine has been fused. He probably has. He he's can't, an old man. And, and one hip socket is just frozen. <laughs> it's like cemented in place. Uh-huh. And also, he's missing a shoulder blade. James Caan walks around in this movie like Benicio del Toro is going to look in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but having said all that, he's also genuinely intimidating. Yes. Yes, he is. And it's... I cannot say the same about his gang, which I think <laughs> Macquarie was trying to make this point about like... Here is a oh you you know if if you keep in mind what James Conn said about being a survivor mm-hmm. oh here's an army of fucking survivors against these young bucks yeah. but I'm like yeah but none of these guys are as physically imposing and magnetic like every one of those guys you'd have to have James Conn and Je- Jonathan Banks and uh-huh. Robert De Niro <laughs> and Joe Pesci as the wild card and like you'd have to have sure. all these guys rolling deep for me to be like oh wow the senior citizens have come to town everybody and shut the serious. shutters and barricade the wi- yeah you know what throw Arnold Schwarzenegger in that group yeah he's right old dude he's getting he's getting fucking uh, old yeah and Sylvester Stallone uh huh if he showed up with the, the Expendables, Expendables three cast exactly. yeah you start shitting your pants but these guys are but just when he random. shows up at yeah late. Early breakfast at Denny's. He shows group. up with the guy from Belvedere, you know, and the dad from Webster, <laughs> aged appropriately. That doesn't scare anybody. You're In right. fact, there's a joke right. where one of them gets his foot blown off because he's like too fat and dumb to hide behind a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in the end, they win. Or at least James Conn wins, right? The rest of them get murdered. Yeah. James Conn wins. Uh, the hotel, the... And that's the thing. So... I don't, I don't want to overlook some of the really cool, like, themes and interesting stuff in this movie. He is a survivor, and he's talking about that. And, like, I feel like the end of this movie kind of uh, gives gives him a little bit of... I, I'm not sure how to say it, but, like, you kind of see his point, right? Like, you've got all these these guys. They have this conversation at the bar with Benicio Del Toro and James Caan, and they're talking about these different types of bagman mm. for lack of a better word yeah all of those guys get killed in this true and james Conn is the last one left and he's the only guy who stood through this whole thing so i feel like that that idea of who he is and who he needs to be to get his job done and survive it yeah is born out at the end of this movie i also felt like the benicio del toro was mo- moaning bemoaning the fact that most criminals are like his partner yeah like i feel like that benicio if he was by himself he'd have been just fine. But Ryan Philippe, uh, even from the beginning of the movie, he, mm-hmm. yeah, Benicio sat on the car, but the guy that says, shut your girlfriend up or I'm going to come over there and fuck start her face, <laughs> which precipitates the violence is great line, by the way, right? One yeah. of the best well, fuck lines start your face ever. Uh, pretty good. Uh, he's the one that does that. And he's also the one that started getting, he didn't have feelings for the girl, but he's, he definitely had feelings for that mother child bond. And, and, yeah, decided that they were going to like as much to free this girl from this commitment she's made. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna fight for that as much as they are for the money. And that's interesting too when you consider this conversation that they have inside of the motel while they're playing hearts. And obviously, this is all just a very very thinly veiled yeah. uh, analogy or metaphor yes. for their current situation and for 
life and the way of the gun, right? I mean, and this is fresh on the conver- the heels of the conversation with James Kahn. So Benicio is kind of like trying to tell him that this is he's talking to his partner uh-huh. as much as he's talking to the girl, which was weird because the girl took this conversation to be about all about her. Yeah. So so the idea here is um, that they're playing hearts, and obviously, you know, he he's talking about how you can have a heart, you can kind of. The, the people who have a heart kind of ride their heart and get like just a just a few points like the point of of hearts is to be have as few points as you can at the end yes um and be cautious and careful and all this stuff or you can try and shoot the moon which yeah. is what benicio and, and sacrifice are yeah, doing. yeah 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 uh but if someone figures out what you're doing it's all over yeah, and you're going to pay the consequences, and you're going to lose. Yeah, and at the end of this movie, that's exactly what happens. And you're going to get stuck with the queen, the in which is like negative thirteen points or something. I have, it hasn't been so, a long something like that. Yeah, been a long time since I've played Hearts. No, it's thirteen points because you want the least points. Oh right, right. Possible. That's right. That's right. Um, hearts are worth one, and then she's worth thirteen. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the message of the movie in general, right? Like you can take this path of the gun, but it's a very dangerous one. Um, or you can live out a normal life and not reap the same rewards that you would if you got away, if you shot the moon, you know, mm. if you were able to successfully pull that off. So I don't know. It's kind of, it, it's very much that outlaw philosophy. Right. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? There's like some particular quotes. I mean, we've talked about this, some of the quotes that I don't particularly agree with. There's those extended long rant that Felipe that Ryan Felipe goes on in the sperm donation clinic, which I was trying to decide, oh, yeah. is this homophobic or is this like avant-garde home uh, acceptance of the Is game? it using shocking language to make a decent point? About society? Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stuff where it's like kind of South Park philosophy. <laughs> okay. Where it's like, I don't know that you can use the F word, other F word ironically that much and still be making the point you're trying yeah, to yeah. make. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, another she, line I like the ending is always happy if only for someone else. Yeah. Somebody's going to get something out of this, right? James Kahn, Juliette Lewis, sure. they got, they got their kid, their grandson, I guess. But what's Scott, $15 million. What's, Scott, what's Herschel going to say about this? Well, he's, he's not the someone else. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, that's true. Plus so. he gets a illegitimate ch- child. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. He did get what he wanted in the end, right? Yeah. I like the Benicio's line about uh, when James Conn first meets him. He's like, are you the brains of the operation? He goes, I don't think this is a brains type of operation. <laughs> yeah. Type of op- I thought that was good. Good stuff. Uh, Benicio bemoaning that some some criminals want to be, they want to be a criminal more than they want to commit crime. Okay. Which I thought is a very insightful, like, are you committing crime to prove some sort of manhood that you have? Or are you committing crime because you think it's a good way to make money? Yeah. Because if you're not doing it for that reason, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you want to be a criminal, you're going to get caught. <laughs> Here's a line that I didn't know what to make of. Uh, I f- who was this to? This was uh, Scott Wilson to James Caan. He asked him, do you believe in com- karma? And he says, karma is justice without the satisfaction. I don't believe in justice. So it's okay. like, like double no? I, th- there is a subset called karma of which justice is a superset and he doesn't believe in, in the superset. So yeah. like, I guess double? Like, fuck, that's a fuck no. That's yeah. a no and not only no, fuck no. 
Yeah, it's like someone asks you, you believe in God, and you say, well, God is just Jesus without the cross, and I don't believe in the cross. Or like if somebody asks you, okay, so Jehovah's Witnesses think that Jesus is God's son, yeah, and that's it. It's yeah. like if someone were to ask a witness, do you believe in Jesus, and they say, I don't believe in God. <laughs> yeah, okay. So by the set of, like, I don't, I don't know. Logically, no, I don't believe in Jesus either. Um. Yeah, like I said, there's... The, the action is really cool in this. Uh, it's startling. Like, I, everything about the gunplay feels real. Yeah. And, you know, the, I, I I wish we got the story of how Benicio Del Toro and Ryan Felipe met hmm. and formed this kind of mercenary outlaw band. Like, what was their previous life experience were they soldiers? I assume they were soldiers. Did they meet in jail? I know Felipe had they, been in jail. They've all done, yeah, like Felipe did one prison sentence, which you find that out later, and it's like, you know, you start putting together that, like, Benicio is the brains of the operation, and maybe he's never been pinched, and this is a fight to him, like, who's been the more hardcore villain? Hmm. Okay. But there's a lot of interesting things about the morality and philosophy of crime, and I, the gunplay is really interesting, but the finer points of the plot, it just was a house of cards for me. They got more and more preposterous yeah. with progressively little payoff. I mean, is it worth all the Baruch plotting to have James Khan come in at the end with like tears rimming his eyes as he sees his girl and his grandson? I is didn't think it? so. Like, they could I didn't have had that, that moment without all the plot. Yeah, because frankly. I wasn't, you know, I I don't think he was emotionally invested into it at that point, and I, I certainly wasn't. No, I've seen much simpler movies deliver a much more poignant ending. Hmm. There's something very, yeah, I associate with like Asian cinema where like hmm. everyone, like most people die and no one really got what they wanted. Okay. You know, like that's like uh crouching tiger, hidden dragon house of flying dragon. Everybody dies. <laughs> There's no, hmm. no, I, although I guess the, I mean, if Juliette Lewis is the hero of the film, then I guess she gets what she wants, and I guess her and the Doctor will be happily ever after. Again, Scott Wilson, the maniacal international gangster real estate mogul, yeah. is waiting in the wings. So you yeah, need to weigh the gun too what... to see his bloody swath of, of yep. massacre. You know that there you go. Juliette Lewis can be like all Sarah Connor in Terminator Two. She can be all buff, and she's been on the run, and she's protecting this child that. Mm-hmm. Turns out to actually be Ryan Felipe somehow. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> why not? Uh, yeah, and, and Tay Diggs is his father. Mm-hmm. Is is uh, Ryan Felipe's father? Because he's <laughs> this isn't the, his first rodeo either. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> he's actually seventy three and belongs to the elderly goon squad. He's just had I don't know some kind of um, uh, Ghoul type Lazarus pit situation. Hmm. Yeah, we could this this movie writes I like itself. It. I like it. <laughs> The sequel. <laughs> we need to call up Christopher McQuarrie, mm-hmm. get him super high again. Weigh the gun too. Weigh the gun too. Like, you know, you're flush off the success of Mission Impo- Impossible and, and Jack Reacher. It's time to bring back, you know, these Benicio hasn't been doing much of late. Ryan, you know, uh, he's been he's been trying to live off that MacGruber residual check and ain't working. <laughs> we need Weigh the Gun too. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those podcasts where I feel like Kind of like the, when we did a Star Wars, like I like this movie a lot more, but it's fun to bitch about. I know, I know. I hate to do like, that we, because we, we talked about a lot of shit about Star Wars, even though we clearly love it. And like, yeah. I like this film. I like it a lot, and it was fun to watch. But 
it also had me really scratch my head about some of that stuff. Yeah, it happens. And sometimes when we get together, it's fun just to make fun of a movie for its own sake. Sure. Uh, so that kind of ends up sometimes influencing how I feel about the actual film. Yeah. It's tough not to let it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's, I don't think it's as good as a lot of people wanted it to be. Um, and I think that's borne out by the, the Rotten Tomatoes score. It it has, it's rotten. Well, it's one of those weird things where the critic, the critical review is rotten, but the user yeah. review is positive. And you see some, it's, it's also fun, right? Like there's a lot of well, action. There's a lot, a lot of good dialogue. A couple of those intersections like Boondock Saints. Sure. Yeah. Uh, is like <laughs> a fan cult favorite. Right. And it's undeniably fun, but uh-huh. it also has got a lot of really bizarre things about it. Yeah. So that can be good and bad. Like the, uh, the Leon, the professional kind of has the same issues too. And that it's got, hmm. it's, it's a really well done movie. And I think it even is critically acclaimed and it's got a lot of interesting stuff going on, but it also has some really ridiculous stuff going on, like a coked up Gary Goldman. Uh, Ooh, nice. Have you not seen Leon? Nope. Holy shit. Uh, Okay, well, I know it's one I need to watch. I just I want to. I'm gonna. So, how much would it be for me to commission something? Can I just do like kick in like 125? I mean, I have. I just have to. I mean, pay directly to me. Yeah, I make out a check to Jim Jones for 125. dollars I don't think I can cash that. First of all, why? Because Jim Jones is not my real name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I could cash it, yeah, why not? All sure. right. So I, I've actually been thinking about that. It's like, what if I bought myself a Christmas present that is making you watch something? <laughs> well, it would have to be, I'm sure it would be Princess Bride. Eh, I don't know. That's that's everyone else's fantasy. I've got others. Gotcha. Okay. I've got so many movies I've been wanting you to see and you just stubbornly refuse that, like, if I just wasted it on fan service, like, that, that's not my, <laughs> that'd be their Christmas present. This is my Christmas present. Gotcha. I wonder which one it would be. Hmm. So many movies I want you to watch. Ah, okay. Anyway, we've lost the plot a bit. Is there anything else you want to say about The Way of Z-Gun? No, no, I think that's it. I I do enjoy it more than it sounds like, um, if only for the fact that it is, at times, a fun movie to watch. Uh, So, Nick, thanks. I hope you you enjoy this podcast, at least in the same way that we enjoy Way of the Gun, where you're not quite sure about all of it, but uh, you, you didn't feel like it was a worthless experience. And we thank you so much for your support. Been with us a long time. Uh, If you'd like to find out how you can commission your own podcast, you can do so at baldmove.com slash chop. It's the big, big film canister. It's a big film Mm -hmm. wheel. Uh, Yeah. What better way to digitally purchase something that we are going to stream off Amazon than to click on a giant film wheel? Makes sense to me. Uh, But it's got all the details of of how you can do that. And uh, you can check our forums at forums.baldmove.com. There is a a posted thread about, uh, I think it's in the bald movie section. Uh, what our current lineup is, which we keep fairly up to date. So if you want to see kind of how far back you are or what people, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to suggest something that's already been suggested. Yeah. Uh, check that out at ballmove.com slash shop. And we will see you the next time.